0: Get ready for the 2020 Bible Challenge. It's not like any Bible Challenge we have done before. Our goal is to help you dig in and grab a hold of the foundational truths of our faith. So we have broken the year up into sections according to topic. From salvation and stewardship to forgiveness, baptism, and more. We will dive into the scriptures that cover more than 25 subjects. Visit GraceBibleChallenge.com. That's GraceBibleChallenge.com. To sign up and join the 2020 Bible Challenge, go beyond just reading, strengthen your knowledge and deepen your understanding of God's Word with in-depth studies on what the Bible says about these essential spiritual truths. To sign up and join the 2020 Bible Challenge, go to gracebiblechallenge.com today. That's gracebiblechallenge.com and get ready to grow in God's Word.
1: Tomorrow can be bigger. Just grow, let the world overflow you. Live a life bigger than yourself. You're created for greatness. Live a life bigger than yourself.
2: You've tuned into the Live Big broadcast with Barry Greer. Pastor of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. God's Word is powerful and full of life. It opens your eyes to how big God is and how big life in Him can be. We pray that today's teaching compels you to grow and live a life bigger than yourself. Download this message and more at gracechurchva.org. Here's Dr. Greer with today's Live Big message.
1: John chapter 5, beginning with the the first verse. And I, I told the first service, my wife kissed me yesterday. And told me, I just added five years to your life. <laughs> See, those of you in the Bible said know what we're talking about. Yes. I, wanted, I, I asked her if she'd make it 15, but she had to go. All right. <laughs> anyway, John 5 and 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews. God loves a party. God loves to celebrate. In fact, he enjoys it so much that he gave his people several. There was three minimal that every adult male in Israel had to attend each year. And Scripture said Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He did again what every good Jewish man did. Jesus was not opposed to the law. He came to fulfill the law. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool. Now according to Nehemiah, Uh, we find this this the sheep gate on the eastern side of Jerusalem and this this gate was the gate through which sheep that were going to be sacrificed uh, Jesus calling somebody you you, you may want to pick that up (laughs) but it was it was the route the sheep took to the temple and that's why it was called the sheep gate and some people said in history past that these sheep would be dipped in this pool I really don't know Uh, That's exactly what happened. But what I do know is that it was the sheep gate. And here we have the Lamb of God at the sheep gate. So you you can expect some important things to happen here. And in Aramaic, he was also in a place called Bethesda, which literally means house of mercy. So we see here that Christ is in his prophetic element. Uh, The names of towns, the gate, he's in, all pointing to his work and his presence. And he was at a place that had five-roofed colonnades. Last year we had our picnic at Leesavania Park and we were under a uh, pavilion. And actually that's what these promenades were, if you will. They were just uh, roofs, but there were no sides. And actually these these promenades or pavilions or colonnades, forgive me, they lined the walks that uh, were next to these these legs. Now, we went there, you know, again, for our picnic, but I want you to understand what we're about to read was nobody's picnic. This was a tough scene. It says here, in these, or underneath these, lay a multitude of invalids. It was jam-packed with suffering people. Blind, it goes on to, 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 to explain to us, since we weren't there, exactly who was there. Blind, lame, and paralyzed. Many of us from developed countries... You know, we, we've never really seen sickness like this. You know, we've, we've been to a hospital, and I don't really care particularly for hospitals, but a hospital doesn't even get near, particularly in, in our country, what, what Jesus had walked up upon. Uh, when you face sickness and suffering of this type, you will never, ever forget it. Even before you get to the place, the smell hits you. There are sounds. There, there, you see people moaning. It's, it's like, I mean, it, it can almost break your spirit to see such suffering in the lives of people it said the blind were there and by the way anyone ever feel just you know i uh, have problems seeing things at the time anybody in this place yeah it said the blind were there the lame anybody have some some areas or, or two in your life you're a little bit weak you know and, and you can't quite do what you want to do but thirdly it had the paralyzed anyone ever get stuck and you can't get up modern manuscripts often leave out this next verse. The the reason is probably originally what we're about to read was a, a side note. Uh, written by a scribe, a person who was familiar with the events but felt because the Bible was being taken to, you know, Ephesus and uh, Galatia, places way outside of Jerusalem and Israel, they felt that the reader needed an explanation. So for that reason, the statement's in some manuscripts and and not in in others because everyone didn't know the Jewish culture. So he, he wrote a little note there, and if you have an ESV, you'll see it at the bottom or NIV, but the King James Version is here, and it, this is what it says. And By the way, I believe it's, it's accurate because in verse 7, uh, it, it verifies the things that were stated here. And this is what the people believed. They were there waiting for the moving of the waters. For they believed an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred the water. Actually, it was an intermittent spring there. And whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was healed of whatever disease he had. Now, this little note here, even though it may not belong in the text, it gives you an idea of the people's scarcity mindset. They saw the blessings of God as limited. And in fact, they compete with one another to get them. It says, whoever stepped in what? First. Whenever you find people who are insecure about the abundance and sufficiency of God, they're always competing with other people. I've made up my mind a long, long time ago, what's mine is mine. I'm not competing with nobody else, you hear what I'm saying, for what God has for me. In fact, God has enough to bless this whole world 17,000 times over and still have leftovers. How many of y'all believe that's true? Remember when he did the miracle of the loaves and the fishes? What did they do? Collect baskets afterward. Meaning feeding those 5,000 people didn't strain God. In fact, he said, I can do that plus your cousins, you hear what I'm saying, and, and, and your nephews and, and your friends there. When God starts blessing other people, it doesn't threaten me. It encourages me. But those who have the scarcity mindset don't see it that way. And they get resentful and angry when God starts moving in other people's lives. Whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was healed, be it unto you according to your faith here. These folks believed the stirring of the water would heal them. And I believe God did heal many people that went in because it was to them according to their faith. And it healed them of whatever disease they what, had. But here's the deal. If you weren't fast enough, if you didn't push your way through, if you didn't step on people on your way, you got nothing. This was the epitome of dog-eat-dog religion. How many of y'all been to a church like this? <laughs> Where well, everyone's jockeying for position. There's this, uh, you know, scarcity mindset that, that, you know, if I don't make it happen, God's not going to make it happen. And, and there's just a little bit of blessing here, and God can't bless all of us, so, so I got to get what I got to get. And, and we, we walk on people and all the rest to get. What God has more than enough of. Five, one one man, though, was there who had been an invalid for 38 years, which is longer than most people lived at this particular time in in history. But the point Scripture's making is it's never too late with God. How many of y'all believe that's true? When Jesus saw him, where did Jesus see him? In spite of the suffering, the sights, the sounds, the smell, guess where Jesus showed up. You see, the parts of our lives that stink the most is where Jesus wants to show up the most. Jesus saw him, not just his problem. Not just his sickness, anybody got a few sicknesses. He saw the man's need. He saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time. Meaning a lot had gone on in this man's life before he had this meeting with Jesus. But what's interesting about our Lord, he knew a lot had happened in this man's life, but wanted him anyway. When God called you, he knew every single thing. When he wooed you and, and, and began to draw you, he knew every single thing you had ever done in your life and wanted you and loved you anyway. He knew this man had a history, but his history did not stop him. Jesus looked at the man and said, Do you want to be healed? I mean, The man's probably standing there and saying, you know, what type of stupid question is that Jesus? Of course I want to be healed. Not so fast. Everybody's not looking for a cure. Most people will settle for feeling better. And if I tell the truth, crack dealers and some pastors belong in the same category. Their goal is to make people feel good. Their goal is to make people feel better, but not get better. And my hope here today is that you just—I'm not in. You know, listen, I, 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 it's great if you feel good, but that's not my goal. Sometimes you have to be cut before you can be healed. And sometimes you have to work with a steady hand, even though it hurts. It will help if your motivation is correct. So Jesus cut right to the chase, man, just right at it. He looked the guy in the eye and said, do you want to be healed or do you want to just keep playing church? Do you want to just keep singing them same old sad songs or do you want results? This was the question. The master posed. And the sick man answered him with a very sick and common Answer. What's interesting, Jesus loved him in spite of all this. Sir, I have no one. What was he saying? Other people are my problem. You know, if they would have done this for me, it would be different. You know, if I had this type of person in my life, or, you know, if folks really cared about me, my life would be what? Different. Sir, I have no one. To put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. Jesus, I've been waiting for 38 years for someone to show up and carry me. Somebody owes me something for all my suffering. Here's something I know. Maybe people do. But how many of you know that, uh, uh, you know, just because someone owes you don't mean you're going to get paid? And the whole world might owe you, but that does not mean that you are going to get what you think you deserve. So wake up and smell the coffee. He said, no one helps me. While I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus, I tried to do this myself, but I just can't seem to make it happen. And Jesus said to him, get up. Fellow, you don't need a person. All you need is my word. Jesus, what did he do? He spoke a word. He wanted a person. But Jesus gave him a word. Did you hear that? Saying if if the the church would do this, if they would, you don't need a person. If I only had a husband, if I only had a wife, you don't need a person. All you need is God's word. Now, in some translations, you'll see an exclamation point here because it really belongs there. ESV doesn't put it because you actually see the word get up twice. And, you know, for emphasis sake, since it didn't have exclamation points in the Greek, if you said it twice, that means that, you know, it's being said powerfully and with great intensity. So Jesus said, get up, you get up. Do You hear what I'm saying? He said, I am the only Savior you ever going to need. So just do what I say. And then Jesus continues. He says, get up. And while you're at it, take up your bed. Clean up your mess. Clean up your mess. I don't even want a shadow of of what, what you used to be left here. And the last word was walk. Jesus destroyed 38 years of sickness with three simple commands. Obey his word, and he will do the same for you. Jesus said, get up, take up your bed, and what? Walk. From now on, you're gonna be able to get to where you're going on your own and in your own strength. Of course. Based on the word of God and with the help of that word that that gave him the capacity here. But you need to just take it one step at a time. Verse 9. And at once the man was what? Healed. When you get your focus off yourself and all the people who let you down. You get your focus off how you were dropped as a baby and and how mama didn't kiss you and, and all that stuff. And you put your focus on Jesus. You'll get healed too. You see, he had to, again, he had to drop all the arguments and excuses, no one, no, 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 and do what the master said. And then he took up his bed and what? Walked. Jesus caused what was once his crutch to become his trophy. Everywhere he went that day, he was pushing up this this mat and showing people because people look at him, you can't be the same guy. Look at this mat, look at this, look at this thing that I've been carrying around and needing every place I went. And he carried it around and, and again what was the thing a, a source of pain at one point became an actual testimony to everyone that was was watching. But then the, you know it's it's like a movie camera, it's focused on one thing, but then it shifts to something else. It's like, uh uh-oh, Jesus did this, but now that day was a Sabbath. This is when the music changes in the the movie. I thought y'all enjoyed that. (laughs) But Jesus had just broken the 39th commandment in the Mishnah, the the, the Shabbat, 7 and 2. And in Shabbat 7 and 2, the Jewish father said, a man should not transport an object from one place to another on the Sabbath. These were well-known, and, I mean, everyone knew these 39 commandments. Now, there were hundreds of commandments in the law, but, you know, Sabbath you had to live by, and if you didn't, you get in trouble with with the Pharisees and the Sadducees that were watching. So everyone knew what what had gone on, and and, and the issue here was, you know, are you going to obey God or, or man? Verse 10, so the religious people, or the Jews here, said to the man who had been healed, I'm so glad that you're better. I'm happy that after 38 years of, of suffering, that, that finally, you know, God has done something in your life. I'm happy for you. No. All the religious people did was look at their rules. And they smelled blood in the water, and they wanted their pound of flesh. They said, it is a Sabbath. And I don't care if he's God or not. It's not lawful. If you don't fit into my denomination's code of things and the way we do things, we don't want you here. And it was not lawful for you to take up your bed. But there's something I've learned. When God blesses you, you you have to quickly realize that everyone's not going to be happy about your newfound freedom. And you need to quickly get over that. Some folk will cut you like Jack the Ripper with their three favorite scriptures. You hear what I'm saying? And then leave you on the side of the road for dead. And then go to church. And lead the worship service. The word cuts before it heals. We get to the healing part. But he answered them. The man who healed me, that man said to me. Notice, Jesus healed him only. With, by, or through his word. Do you realize this word we're talking today can change your destiny? It didn't say the Spirit of God moving. The Spirit of God is a wonderful thing, does great things, and the Spirit of God moves on based on the word, but all we have here was Jesus speaking to a guy, and that word changed his life instantly, permanently, irreversibly, and forever. The man who healed me That man said to me, take up your bed and walk. He said, listen, guys, I am carrying this bed under the authority of my healer. And then they asked, he said, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and and walk? Who on earth has this type of authority to override our fathers? Well, God had become a man. His name was Emmanuel. And sometimes God has to correct our church doctrine. If it's not based on this book, it's suspect. You hear me? Appreciate the Mishnah, appreciate their thoughts, but that's all they are. The Word of God is the Word of God, and that is the authority through which the worlds were made and through which we operate while we're in this world. 13, now the man who had healed did not know, pay attention to this, who it was. This guy didn't even know Jesus' name, but he got healed. God is not looking to bless us after we get everything about God figured out. All God's looking for is some people who believe. Often God has to bypass the scholar in order to get the people dumb enough. Just because you said so, Lord, I'll do so. People with that type of mindset is exactly who God's looking for. The man didn't know a lot about God. So let me ask you a question. With all the scriptures you know, how's that working for you? <laughs> and the man needed to know about God because we're going to find Jesus followed up with this man. And, and, and with all ministry, there needs to be follow up. That's important. He said, the man didn't know who he was for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in that place. Meaning after Jesus healed the man, probably a crowd started to gather. So, what did Jesus do? He left. I mean, this is shocking to some of us. Jesus was not interested in the crowd, he wasn't trying to make a crowd, he was trying to make a disciple. And those things are sometimes miles apart where we have big crowds but no disciples. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple. Scripture says it's God's goodness that leads us to repentance. But what's interesting here, pay attention, he did not go to church to get blessed because he had just been blessed. When God blesses you, you will automatically want to be where the blessed people are. The reason most of us want to be here is because this is where the people are at. This is where God's blessing is, where people have been blessed and and people of like mind. You hear what I'm saying? So you come to church because God has blessed you. And out of that blessing comes your coming and you're your going. And God's going to do some special blessing here as well. But, but you, you understand what I'm saying. And Jesus started to, to disciple him now.
2: You are listening to the Live Big broadcast with Dr. Derek Greer. We pray that you are inspired to think big, do big, and live big. Our goal is to compel you to live in a way that overflows and blesses those around you. Find out more about this broadcast, Grace Church, and Dr. Greer at gracechurchva.org. Dr. Greer and his wife, Pastor Yermutu, invite you to meet them at Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia for vibrant worship, Bible teaching, and fellowship each Sunday and Wednesday. Click gracechurchva.org for service times, directions, and much more. Again, that's gracechurchva.org. This has been Live Big with Dr. Derek Greer. Watch the Live Big broadcast Monday through Friday and every Sunday. Check your local TV listings or visit gracechurchva.org for the broadcast schedule. That's all the time we have. But until next time, remember, you have what it takes in Christ to live big.
3: has a creative way for you or your business to support our ministry. It won't cost you anything extra and it's part of your normal routine. It's Amazon Smile. The prices, selection, and shopping experience are all the same. But when you go to smile.amazon.com first instead of just amazon.com, Amazon donates a percentage to your favorite cause and it doesn't cost you anything extra. It's amazing. So go to smile.amazon.com, search for GraceChurch.com, Freeze, select us as your charity, then shop as normal. It's free, easy, and helps Grace Church and Derek Greer Ministries continue to reach those in need. Click smile.amazon.com today and check it out. Also, military and federal employees, remember you can make a difference and donate through the CFC. Our CFC number is 35614. That's 35614.